Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place, South Tampa Campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. All right, so the uh, word that God gave me today, um, he actually gave me the title, Waiting Well, okay? What does waiting well mean? And he gave me that far before Jimmy Borrego at the other campus uh, preached, uh, what was it, sacrifice well, um, how to sacrifice well. So I figured maybe that's just what he's doing right now. He's teaching us how to do things well, okay, which is part of being a Christian, right, doing things in excellence, okay. Um, and it was interesting how God started this message with me. When I was a kid, when I was growing up, uh, like most people, I looked for purpose, right? One of the prophetic words I had over my life was that, you know, like, hey, God has a, God has a, a purpose for you. you. God has given you a message, and the world just isn't ready for it right now. Right? Have you ever, I don't know if anyone else gotten anything similar. The world's not ready for what you have to give right now. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'm just going to sit here, and I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to do my own thing. And I'm going to wait for God to do whatever it is that he's doing to make people ready for me. Okay, um, I did not wait well is what that turned into, right? And as I got older, as I got mature, God corrected me later because I was like, God, when is the world going to be ready? He's like, no, the world's ready. You're not ready because if I gave you your message, if I gave you your purpose when you wanted it, it would have crushed you. And instead of waiting well, which is also known as being prepared for me to give you the message and purpose that I have for you, you chose to wait the way you wanted to wait, and you were never prepared for it, right? You were never prepared for your burning bush moment, okay? Because you never did the waiting and the preparation that I wanted you to do to get there, okay? And so part of the reason we don't understand waiting is because we don't understand the word wait, okay? So I'm actually going to do, because uh, I am more of a teacher, so we're going to do some fun word studies, Right, so if you if you do take notes, take notes. There will be a quiz. Um, if you pass, um, nothing changes because God loves you all the same either way. All right, so we're going to look at a couple different scriptures, and I'm going to use um, Strong's interpretation of it. So it is not, you know, Justin's opinion. Everybody say Justin's opinion. It's not that. Okay, it's Strong's opinion. <laughs> Strong's work studies. Okay. And I'm mainly going to be looking at the Old Testament because the Old Testament is really fun because it's in Hebrew. And if you don't know about Hebrew, um, ancient Hebrew is a poetic language. Um, there is, if I remember right, there can be up to seven different interpretations of a word based on the context it's used, how it's used, the, the um, you know, way it's used, everything like that, right? So you can look at this poetic um, language and there's layers to the meanings of words. So in English, English is very much like Greek. It's direct. It's weight. Okay, you've got weight. That's, that's weight, right? And we all have our own different interpretations of what weight is, okay? Um, and Hebrew is not like that. So we're going to look at a couple different... Um, it's funny, we think weight. Okay, it's the same word. And you read through Hebrews and it's like, no, there's all these... There's like 12 different kinds of weights. Okay, we're going to look at the more common ones. The first one I want to pull up is uh, in Psalms 62.5. 
We've got it there. Yes, we do. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectations uh, is from him. Okay. This is Strong's uh, 1826. Okay. So 1826, interesting thing. Uh, I'm not actually going to say it in Hebrew. I was going to. Um, I do not speak Hebrew well. I'm not fluent in Hebrew. I'm not. I'm barely fluent in English. And uh, Nim gets mad at me all the time because I'm definitely not fluent in Espanol. Um, but 1826 is to be or to grow dumb, to be made silent. Right. It's related to two words. One is 1724, which is to astonish or astound. And the other is to cease or to cut off, 1820. Those, those are how the roots are relatable. So this weight here in this term, and this is probably the least common one. I actually went from least common to most common. Okay, This is, that's why you say, wait silently for God alone. And I love the way Brian Simmons in the Passion Translation translates this. I am standing in absolute stillness. Silent before the one I love, waiting as long as it takes for him to rescue me, okay? But this is often one of the interpretations of wait that we like to do, right? I'm just going to wait. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not thinking about anything. I'm waiting. I'm just... Right? We do that a lot. You know, you order food. Well, no, even when you order food, right? There's there's something there. There's something different. So this is the absolute stillness. And this is great because this is where God can really speak when you have those moments. It's a great wait. All right, so the next one we're going to look at here is Psalms 37.7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his ways because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Okay, if you look at the concept of this chapter, it's really talking about, um, you know, not to be like the wicked. Do not fret about those. Do not worry. Do not, you know, there's this, there's this sense of, um, like, turmoil there, right? Uh, and the passage in translation here says, quiet your heart in his presence and wait patiently for Yahweh. Um, but what Brian Simmons points out here in his footnote um, the root of the word here, there's actually, if you notice here, there's actually two weights in this, this, uh, in this verse. The first one is rest in the Lord. That is 1826. That is the same exact one from the last verse we just looked at. The same word. Okay. The second is to wait patiently. Now that wait patiently, the root of the word can mean to whirl or to be in labor in birth, to be in this, your wait patiently is not, again, it's not, it is this, like, to be in labor, right? I don't, I don't, we'll never have a grasp of what it means to be in labor, right? But, you know, my, the mothers here, there is a waiting for this to be over, I'm imagining, right? A waiting to be past this, a waiting to have your child in your arms, right? There is a longing that comes from that, that, that birthing, that pain. So to give you the full def- definition of this word, 2342, to twist, to whirl, to dance, to fear, to tremble, to be in anguish, to be pain. 
Does that sound like waiting to you? No, that doesn't sound like our understanding of waiting, right? There's a bigger waiting there, okay? So next one here, uh, we're going to jump over to Isaiah 30, 18. Therefore, the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you, and therefore he will be exalted, that he may have mercy on you, for the Lord is a God of justice, and blessed are those who wait for him. Okay, so the specific wait here is the Lord will wait. Okay, and interesting enough, this one is not used um, very often when it's referring to our waiting. Okay, this is often referred to when the Lord waits. Okay, this is 2442, which means to adhere to, to await, to long for like an ambush. Okay, because when we wait for the Lord, right, we're birthing something. There's a, there's a tension there. We need him to come through on something, right? When he waits for us, he's already there. He's in ambush. He's like, okay, I'm just waiting for you to get here. Because I have all these things for you, and I need you to catch up, right? And that's how I was taking the initial wait, is, okay, I have something, God. You need to do stuff so that I can release what I have. And he's like, no, that's my job. Your job is to wait well and be prepared to walk the way you need to walk, to learn what you need to learn, to heal what you need to heal, so that you can be where I need you to be, so I can ambush you and be gracious to you, and exalt you, and have mercy for you, and bless you, right? Are you seeing, kind of, are you getting some of the puzzle pieces here? All right, so now we're going to switch over to what most of the Old Testament is the most common translation of weight, okay? And I have three reference verses. I went through and asked God, which ones do you want to actually use here? Um, it is strong 6960. The first one we'll look at is one everyone knows. Uh, Isaiah 4031. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Okay. Side note on this one, fun note. Uh, eagles actually typically tend to have the longest lifespan of all birds. So that's a cool thing. Um, but, so, those who wait on the Lord, okay, 6960, this wait is used um, as a way to bind, uh, as if twisting, to bind together, okay, to expect, to gather, okay, again, there is something happening with this wait, this is, this is not Okay, there's an action happening. There's a transaction happening, right? There's a twisting. There's a binding happening with the Lord. There's an expectation. Okay, this is very much like when you go order food, right? And you're sitting there waiting. You're like, where is my food? I, this menu item looks delicious. I'm so excited to eat, you know, this amazing enchilada covered in amazing enchilada sauce. I don't even know what it is. But, like, there's this longing for this thing to happen, for this to transpire. It's like, I like to imagine this as a kid on Christmas Day, right? You're standing there in front of the Christmas tree and there's a bunch of presents there and you're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like, 
that one, that one, that one. I went over the biggest one now, right? There's this anticipation happening, right? If you are waiting on the Lord and you don't have anticipation, you are not waiting on the Lord. You're just waiting, okay? So next up, we're going to go ahead and look at Psalms 27, 14. This is another example of the same exact thing. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And, and Brian Simmons, again, Passion's Translation, does this so well. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Right? Because remember, again, this word is to bring together, to twist um, so that entwine works so well here. You are like, I'm waiting on you. I'm entwining myself with you, with your passions, with your purpose, with your desires to become like you. Okay? And the last example here, last scripture we're going to look at, Psalms 37, 34. Wait on the Lord and keep his way. He shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. Again, same thing, to bind together, right? To, to twist, um, you know, like a rope, like a, a creation of a rope. Entwine yourself to me. Keep my way and I will exalt you to inherit the land, right? We're waiting without any expectation, like, okay, God, give me the land. Like, what are you doing to get the land, okay? And it doesn't always look like what you think it's supposed to look like, okay? Uh, I'm just going to start quoting some Bible stories here um, to give you some more examples. We don't have verses for them, but, you know, what I'm thinking, reminded of is with Saul, Okay, when Saul was still king before he had disappointed the Lord, right? Samuel came to him and him and his men are entrenched, right? They are surrounded by enemies about to go to war. And Samuel comes to him and says, hey, I'm going to leave and don't do anything until I get back. I'll get back and then I'll make the sacrifice to God and then you'll be blessed and then you can go to war and you win it all. Okay, and so the day comes when Samuel's supposed to be there, and Saul freaks out because Samuel's not there. And Saul's like, we're surrounded. We got stuff to do. We got to go to war. We got to fight. We got to do this, right? And so Saul does this great thing that we see happen over and over, over again in the Bible, kind of like Abraham when he made Ishmael, is he goes, you know what? Bring me the sacrifice. I will go to the altar. I will make the sacrifice, and then we can go win the war, right? God will be happy. We'll go win the war right? He waited on his understanding, on what he knew was supposed to happen, instead of trusting what Samuel, who was the voice of God at the time, told him to wait for, right? And so it makes sense that Samuel comes back and goes, what are you doing? Why did you do that? That's the exact opposite of what I told you to do, right? You waited and not waited. Like, you didn't actually wait as you were commanded to wait, which we do all the time, right? Sometimes by inaction, sometimes by overaction, right? Waiting is to entwine yourself with God. Just a reminder, entwine yourself with God. Put down your desires, put down your passions, put down your understanding, put down your knowledge, put down your wisdom, and entwine yourself to what he has, what he is, what he walks for, what he desires, what he knows. Because I think we can all agree, like show of hands, who knows more than God? 
Good, good. That was a test. You guys all passed. You guys all passed. You know, let me, let me give you another one here, another example, okay? Um, because, you know, we talk about one of the best things is testimony, right? That's why Abraham is so powerful. He comes up here, he shares his testimony, and we get wrecked, right? So all I'm just doing is sharing you testimony in the Bible, right? That's, that's what the Bible is. Um, I found that as I started to prepare this, God, you know, show me examples of waiting. And we literally just went through the whole Bible. And he's like, Daniel, you know. Uh, uh, Saul, David, Joseph, like everyone. It's just like, this is just this guy waiting, this guy waiting. Okay, this guy waiting, this woman waiting, this guy waiting, this woman. It's like the whole thing, you know. So I'm, we're going to Acts, you know, before the day of Pentecost. Jesus comes. He says, hey, guys, I'm going to go up to heaven, okay? You're, I'm going to leave. He's like, I need you guys to stay here and wait for me, okay? Wait for me. And again, their understanding kicks in. Are you going to come in and you're going to like come back and fight everything and do exactly what we think you're going to do, which you've never said and you've corrected over and over and over again that you're not actually going to do. But is that what you're going to do now? Right? The way we think you need to do it? And he goes, no. He's like, I'm going to go. You guys just wait. And again, um, our English Bible is typically in these translated from Greek, which is very much like English. So again, wait is wait in most cases. Um, you know, so we can't really do a word study on that, unfortunately, but I imagine it was probably very similar weight, you know, from the Hebrew. And so they, unlike Saul, correctly waited. You know what they did? Say, okay, God told us to go here. He told us to wait. So they all went, they went to the upper room and they all got together in one accord and they prayed. They prayed for days they drew lots to replace Judas, and then they prayed, and then they prayed, and then they waited, and they prayed. They had anticipation God is coming back, right? The angels came and said, he's going to come back the same way he left, so we're going to stay. We're going to pray. We're going to wait because something's happened. They had that anticipation. They had that, like, I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's clearly not what we thought, so we're just going to wait, and something's going to happen. And then something happened, and none of them knew what happened, Right? The, the Holy Spirit, the fire came and landed on them, and they started speaking out in tongues, and they started, you know, going crazy, and they went out, and 3,000, right, 3,000, I got that right, came into the kingdom because they waited the way they were supposed to, right? There is glory when we wait the way that we're supposed to, right? Everything in Psalms, you will exalt us, you will give us the land, you will do all these things when we wait the way we're supposed to, Okay? Not the way we think we're supposed to, the way we are supposed to in him. Okay, the biblical way. Okay, again, we're going to go to Matthew 25. Okay, because both, again, God, every, every single chapter, he's just like, oh, look, here's wait, here's wait, here's wait, here's wait. So he took me to Matthew 25 to, to look at the ten virgins, right? Waiting on the bridegroom to arrive. That's what they were doing. They were literally sitting there and wait. Okay, and... They waited, and they waited, and they waited, and then you hopefully maybe know the story. They fall asleep, and, and then they get the alarm. The bridegroom's coming. Half of them had their extra oil. They were prepared. 
they said, okay, this stuff is going to happen, so let's bring extra oil just in case. Let's make sure we're ready to go when things happen, right? So we're not going to be shaken, and we're not going to be tossed around. We are prepared, stabled, ready to go, right? The bridegroom, the alarm goes off. The bridegroom's coming, and they're like, we're good. And the other five, they didn't bring any extra oil. They were lazy. They did, they did this. Where's the bridegroom? Yeah, okay. Cool. Right? And so when the alarm went off, the bridegroom's coming. They go, oh, no, we don't have anything. We need stuff. We need all this stuff that we should have done already. We should have been waiting well. We should have been prepared, and we didn't. So now we're sitting here with nothing. And so they had to run out in the market. Who's got oil? Who's got oil? Right? So they get their oil, and they come back, but the door's closed. Sorry, I don't know you. You didn't wait well the way you were supposed to right? You didn't become trying to be intertwined with a bridegroom. You wanted to go do your own thing. And so now you don't get to participate, right? You don't get to be ready for the calling and the purpose that he has for you because you didn't wait well. And what's interesting, God actually told me this. I was back there reading beforehand and he took me to the end. The last verse in that Bible or the last verse in that story actually says, so stay awake, they didn't even manage to stay awake. You know, they still got in. Those five still got in because they waited well. But it actually ends with stay awake, which is not what they did, which I find interesting, which is part of the grace and the mercy that comes in, that even though they didn't stay awake, they still prepared well and were able to enter in, right? So preparing well can sometimes make up for not actually, you know, doing what we're supposed to do. <laughs> And so I'm reading that, and the very next parable is the ten talents, right, which is about investment, which is about taking care of the things that you've been given, Take, being a good steward of the money you've been given, being a good student of, uh, or a steward of your talents, your abilities, your, your blessings, excuse me, okay? But it starts out with the master was going on a long journey, and the, the uh, three servants were going to have to wait, right? The land was going to have to wait for the master's return. Okay, so again, we see this, this whole dynamic of waiting on the master who, as we know, this is a parable of Jesus and God and the kingdom and all that stuff. And so, first off, they're given talents based on their abilities, based on what they've already learned, based on their preparation before him. Before he even left, they're preparing for when he leaves, and then that preparation, once they're given the task, they're then in this waiting period for him to return. And so they're waiting well by being effective, by being stewards of what they have. Okay? So they're intertwined with the master's desires, with the master's purpose for them, right? The purpose is you, I'm giving these talents, use them well. So they're being intertwined with that. Well, two of them were intertwined with that, right? We see, and then when the master finally comes back, well done. You were my faithful servants. You did what I expected you to do. You waited for me well. And then the one, you know, might as well put his head in the hole where he put the money because that's what ended up happening. It actually says, where he says at least put it into investment, the actual translation there is you could have at least put it in the offering so that God would have blessed me for that more than whatever you did with it. So we have to... Learn to wait. Mm. Last one I want to give you here. 
is David. We know David as the man after God's own heart. I think David is probably one of the best examples of, of waiting. Um, maybe not. There's so many good ones. Um, like Daniel, it was like, I want you to fast and then wait and you'll have dream interpretations. Right? Like, what does fasting and not eating meat have to do with dream interpretations? I don't know, but God does it, right? You wait well, you do, you, you intertwine with him, and he's going to bless you, and there's going to be fruit, okay? But David here, I tried to look up some ages and timelines here. So you, you know, we have David who, who worked out with the sheep, you know, he was a shepherd, um, and he prepared well. His, his task, his goal was to watch the sheep, right? So he learned to get really, really good with a sling, right? You know, he defeats a lion, de- defeats a bear to protect his sheep. That was, that was his task in that moment. For his calling, his waiting was to watch the sheep well and be prepared to fight and defend the sheep, right? And then all of a sudden, uh, Samuel comes in and anoints David to be king, okay? At this point, they say David was about 10 to 15 years old, somewhere in there. He was a, a, a young child, okay? And then, like, can you imagine, like, someone comes in, you're going to be king. I'm going to anoint you by the word of God. You are king. Okay, go back in the field and keep watching sheep. Yep, yep. He had to go back in the field and watch sheep. And, and his dad comes in. He's like, David, I don't know about this king thing. A couple years later, um, David, I don't know about this king thing, but the, your brothers are at war. Take them this to your brothers at war, you know? Maybe you'll be king. I don't know. That guy seemed a little crazy. I, I don't know. So he goes out. And this is several years. This, they, they say this one, he's younger than 20. He was probably like a late teenager between like, you know, 17, 18, 19, most likely based on the way that Saul refers to him. So this had been several years of him watching sheep. And he gets up there. And then we have the story of Goliath, right? And one interesting thing about the story of the Goliath we hear David goes down and he gets his, his stones, right? He gets five stones. And I was like, oh, in case he misses, right? He's prepared. Goliath had four brothers. Most people don't know that. Goliath had four brothers. There were five total, right? Because I can tell you in my earthly sense, if you go, you know, try to take out my brother, I'm probably going to come after you too, right? So David was not getting five stones in case he missed because he knew he was accurate and he knew it was only going to take one shot. But he's like, this dude's got four brothers. I need to make sure I'm ready when those other four people come. You know, he was prepared to take Goliath out. He was prepared in case his brothers came. And he never had to do that, but he waited well in preparation. Okay? And then he slays Goliath, which is great. And he starts working with Saul, and he's doing all this stuff with Saul, and then he has to go into hiding, and then he gets abandoned by his men, and then he's got two opportunities where Saul's right in front of him. He could easily kill Saul, and nobody would even know, and he doesn't take it because God says, no, that's not the way you're going to do this. And he waits for another 15 years in turmoil and pain, and that, you know, we talked about that waiting with labor, We are waiting with the expectation of something is coming, but this hurts. You know, there's this whirling of pain. There's this whirling of hurt. There's this whirling of, I don't know what you're going to do, God, and I'm freaking out, and I'm on my last string, but but you've got to do something, okay? Again, it's not this.
Yeah, no, no. <laughs> um, and that's exactly what I did, right? That's, I was like, okay, God, go, go make them ready for me. I don't know what I have, but make them ready for me. I don't know my person. I don't know my dreams. I don't know my passions. I don't know my calling. I don't know what I was created for, but make them ready for whatever it is that I have, right? There's waiting has to look like something. There has to be a transaction that takes place, a change that takes place. Whether it's in your mind and your knowledge, whether it's in your heart and your emotions, whether it's in your understanding, your purpose, your passions, your desires, your dreams, there has to be something. And the thing is, it's gonna look different for each and every single one of us, right? The waiting that Saul had to do was not the same waiting that David had to do at the same exact time, right? This is why you know, hearing the Holy Spirit is so vital in your life. Having an understanding relationship with Jesus to have him come in and say, this is what you need to do because there is no checklist. There is no 10 steps for waiting well in your life. 10 steps to having a better relationship with Jesus in your life. You know, 10 steps for anything, right? We may get a worldly 10 steps to get out of debt and God goes, that's funny. Um, we're gonna do something totally different. You're gonna do two steps over here that don't even make sense. You're gonna save up $30,000. I'm gonna tell you to give it to this people and then I'm gonna have somebody else come and pay off your mortgage, right? God is crazy. We've all heard stories of it. <laughs> so, but when we can grasp the root of it, when we can grasp truly partnering with him, which is a whole another message that we could get into, right? Because we often look into, God, use me. God's like, I want to partner with you. He created Adam in the garden and said, all right, you, you're stewarding this. I'm partnering with you. I create it. Now you get to steward it. Name all the animals, right? Adam wasn't used by God. He partnered with God in creation. Adam had creative ability to come up with names for all the animals, right? You have created ability not so that you can be used like a tool, right? You're not, you're not just used like a dollar bill. He wants to partner with you as, you know, you're his, as we talked about earlier, you are his child whom he loves, right? That he, he longs to see you blessed. He longs to see you fulfilled. He longs to see you in your rightful calling, position, desires, dreams, passions, right? He longs that for you. And it takes us partnering with him to wait well in the preparation, to wait well in laying down the foundation so that when the opportunity comes for him to ambush us, as it says, with his good things that we're ready 
that we're not crushed, that we're not like, we don't spin out and destroy ourselves because we failed to prepare when the moment came, when our day of calling came. And I believe it's Paul actually says, in Hebrews, I think it is, he says, there is a day of calling on your life and it's today. Everyone has a day of calling and it's today. If, if you're just starting the preparation, you might be too late, but wait and prepare well anyways, right? Because God can also make up for lost time because he works outside of our Greek idea of time. He's like, yeah, you guys have this whole clock thing. He's like, Chron like Chronos time, we're just gonna stop all of that. and The sun's gonna stand still for three days, right? Because there's time to make up in the preparation. Now that you finally partnered with me, now that you've came in and said, I'm aligning with you, God, and what you want to do, that we can partner and work together for a purpose, your purpose, your desires, your dreams, right? Because it turns out less of me and more of him actually means more of me is more of him, right? The more that you entwine yourself with him, the more of you that will actually come out, the more of the actual you that you will see in this life, which sometimes means letting God and Holy Spirit go in there and clean stuff out, clean stuff out that might hurt, that might be all dirty and filthy. And you're like, God, no, not that room. And he's like, yeah, specifically that room. Okay, that's a very important room that we need to go into and make things right in, right? That may be a room of hate for somebody that the world says, yeah, you should hate that person. You should put up a boundary and stay far away from that person because they're not safe. And God goes, yeah, I get that, but we're doing something else, okay? I wanna partner with you in doing something else to bring healing for you to wait well and be prepared for the calling I have to put on your life. So it doesn't crush you. When my angels show up in your bedroom at 3 a.m., it doesn't crush you. The weight of that glory doesn't crush you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place, South Tampa Campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.